Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbour his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As the Father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed, he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass, he flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it, and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding. Obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works, everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, O my soul. This is the word of the Lord. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. These are the first two lines of a, of, of, of a hymn, uh, an incredible hymn, one of our most loved hymns, Amazing Grace. And from these words, you can tell that the writer has a great understanding of God's amazing love, God's grace upon us. Now, this man was John Newton. John Newton was a slave trader, a man who profited on the suffering of others. He was rescued by God, transformed by God, and now became a man serving God, a pastor. And he also penned some of the most amazing hymns, including Amazing Grace. The hymn, almost a biography of how he felt. Franklin Graham, a rebellious son of a famous pastor who went and sowed his wild oaks and rebelled against everything his father believed in and strived for. Then he repented, came back to God's family. He now leads his father's Billy Graham's ministries. A friend of mine at the age of 18 got caught up in the drug culture. It almost killed him. At the age of 40, he's studying a doctorate at Sydney Missionary and Bible College, training to be a lecturer at, at a Bible college. Can anyone sink so low that they cannot be reached by God? I doubt will anyone sank as low as John Newton, a slave trader, yet he was saved by God's amazing grace. Now, why are these stories so significant and important? It shows us that no one is beyond the reach of God. That no one is beyond the reach of God. 
And this psalm, uh, David, the author of David Goliath fame, the second king of ancient Israel, tells us how this is possible. And such news is truly liberating. News that's worth hearing. Now, whether you've been a Christian for decades or whether you're a person seeking answers, it is news that can transform people. People like John Newton, people like Franklin Graham, and people like my friend. Let's hear what David has to say. Firstly, David counts his blessing. He counts his blessing because of the forgiveness of sin. David understands the significance of what it means to have your sins forgiven. In fact, he raises his voice to God in praise. His personal gratitude comes from his innermost being, from deep within himself. Listen to his deep gratitude in verses 1 to 5 in Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Such beautiful words to describe David's praise for God. David says in verse 2, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. See, we live in a world that people are so caught up in themselves, so caught up in their own desires, and their own needs, and their own pursuits. They are so blinded to the great benefits it means of following God. If they understood those benefits, they'll climb the highest mountain to reach those benefits, to have those benefits. Now David understood. He praises God, for David has not forgotten all of God's benefits. In fact, he lifts up his voice in praise and encourages us to do likewise. Our God is worthy of grateful worship, for the benefits are great. And verses 3 to 4 gives us the basis of such blessing for us. Verse 3, Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your, life, uh, redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. The Lord blesses David in so many ways and it has, has his heart in the forgiveness of sin. Now, even from the testimonies you've heard from our team members, you may heard a lot of people say that Christian life is restrictive. It stops us having fun. It has all these rules and regulations that we have to follow. You must do this or you can't do that. Christianity is a killjoy. Sunday mornings. You know, I have lots of other things to do on Sunday mornings and come to church. There's sport. I love sport. I love playing sport. There's so much work to do around the house. And I, we miss out on having that wonderful breakfast time together with the family because I'm told I have to come to church. Sunday morning is a time for sleep-ins. Now, I love hanging around with my friends Saturday night. Love getting drunk. Love having binge drinking. So much fun. But the preacher says I can't do this. I am sick and tired of hearing the minister say that I shouldn't desire money because money isn't everything. But money is everything, isn't it? It buys you everything that you want. I've earned it. 
I should be able to keep it and do what I want with my own money. What a restrictive lifestyle. I hate being told what to do and what I can't do. I should have the freedom to do whatever I please. The Bible is just too restrictive. Being a Christian cramps my lifestyle. But people who think that way have really missed the point. Christianity is actually liberating. I want to look at this in two ways. Firstly, it liberates us from guilt. Now, if you were John Newton, could you live with yourself? John Newton was a slave trader. He profited on the suffering and misery of others. He took fathers and he took mothers and he took, took children from their families, took them across the ocean, sold them into slavery where they had miserable life, treated them like stock, treated them like property, discarded them if, if it suited them. Could you live with that sort of guilt? Now John Newton was able to do so. Not only that, he lived a tremendous, fruitful life. Not because his sins were minor, or that his sins were forgiven, but because he was able to embrace the forgiveness of sin that God offers. Amazing grace, absolutely. And that's why he wrote the hymn. Whatever lifestyle that we've had, whatever sins we've been carrying, Whatever guilt that may burden us, just like John Newton, we can embrace that forgiveness of sin that God offers us, that we have in Jesus Christ. Christianity is actually liberating. It liberates us from the guilt that we are carrying around. The forgiveness of sins has liberated John Newton from the guilt he carries, and he can move forward. John Newton received God's forgiveness and he embraced it. And now he, and he was comforted by God's love and compassion. From the pits of despair, John Newton is now crowned with love and compassion to be renewed like the eagle soaring with so much grace. And that is why David can say, and for us to embrace as well, verse 4, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Those who argue that the Bible is restrictive has failed to see the great benefits of the blessing God has bestowed us that is actually liberating, for it liberates us from the guilt that accompanies sin. The second is even more remarkable. The forgiveness of sins, more than just a psychological liberation from sin, is actually a physical liberation from sin. Let's look at Romans chapter 6, verse 23. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The forgiveness of sin frees us from the bondage of death. Anyone who is still in rebellion against God, anyone who is still in sin who has not been forgiven, faces death 
for the wages of, wages of sin is death. What greater liberty can anyone have that can free us from the bondage of death? Those who are generally repentant of their sinful, rebellious life turns to Jesus as their Lord and Saviour will not face that death as those in rebellion. The faithful, the follower of Jesus, will be given the gift of God, which is eternal life in Christ Jesus. If you think that being a follower of Jesus, as the Bible exhorts us to do, means we have a restrictive lifestyle, you have missed the point. Being a follower of Jesus gives us such liberty, both from our guilt and from death, that surely like John Newton, we can sing amazing grace about it. And like David, we can praise God with our innermost being. Jesus takes us from the pit of despair and crowns us with love and compassion. No wonder that David can say in verse 2, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Secondly, how do we embrace such benefits? How can we ensure that David's praise of God is warranted? How can we know that God will honour his promise to take away the sin and the guilt and death? Now often people say that their sin is so bad, that their shame is so bad that not even God can forgive them. When I was a lawyer, I didn't handle a lot of criminal matters. But I remember a case that um, the partner was involved with. It was a young woman who had ran over someone at a pedestrian crossing and actually killed him. Now, how can you live with that? How can you live with that shame and that guilt? From what I gather, she was just an ordinary person, just like you and me, but just had a lapse in concentration. How can God rescue her from guilt? How can anyone rescue us from even death? Or you rely on the quality of the mercy that is being offered. You rely on the quality of mercy that is being offered. You remember just who it is that's offering this mercy to you. Now David records uh, when God treated the people of Israel in the great exodus in Egypt uh, under Moses in verse 7. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The story of the great exodus is truly amazing. And I'd like to encourage you to read the book of Exodus to see how God brought his people out of Egypt, out of slavery in Egypt. You find the most extraordinary story of God's power. You see God, uh, God's ten plagues on Egypt. Uh, ending with the death of the firstborn sons. You will see the parting of the Red Sea. You will see manna falling from the sky. And you will see the awesome power of God at Mount Sinai. And if you go a little bit further back, actually a lot further back, God demonstrated his power in creation. He just said it and creation came about. This is the awesome power of God that David tells us to trust. God can deliver us and honour his promises. Can God ever forgive us, even the most shameful things? Well, David is confident he can. Listen to David's description of God in verses 8 to 10. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbour his anger forever. 
He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our inequities. Sure, we deserve punishment because of our rebellion against God. Sure, we deserve to die because of our sinfulness. But David knows and reminds us that God is gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. He will not treat us as our sins deserve. Instead, he offers us forgiveness of sins, which deserves death. But the key to understanding how we can embrace God's great benefits from the Lord found in the forgiveness of sins is found in verses 11 to 13. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Now God's love is so vast. It's as high as it's reaching the heavens. It's as far as the east is to the west. In other words, nothing can separate us from the love of God for those who fear him. For those who fear him. Those who love God and want to return back to him and have a relationship with him. John Newton understood this. He feared God and his life was transformed. He loved God so much he changed his whole attitude to life. From someone who profited from the misery of others to a pastor. Someone who preaches God's word. A servant of God and a great hymn writer. Now, we are raw, sinful people. So what is the difference between those who fear God or fears the Lord and one who continues to incur God's wrath? Repentance. That is saying sorry to God and turning one's life around. John Newton repented. Franklin Graham repented. Sinful people who repent to the Lord are those who fear the Lord and therefore will receive God's grace and abounding love. Then in verse 10, God will not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our inequities. Genuine repentance means recognising our sinfulness and committing it to the Lord and wanting to be transformed by God, to want to live a life of obedience. Now, do understand that we don't live perfect lives. Uh, we don't live perfect, obedient lives. But it's the desire to want to, to live an uh, obedient life shows repentance and a fear of God. Friends, our time is short. As the psalmist says, like, like the grass and like the flowers, uh, we, for a while we flourish, then the wind blows over and we're gone. Our time is fleeting. Embrace the forgiveness of sin that God offers to you before it's too late. For those who do, we enjoy the everlasting love that God offers. And the mark of those who love God is obedience. Verse 18, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. If you are truly repentant, you will have a desire to live lives that are pleasing to God and demonstrate obedience to God. You see, God demonstrates to those who fear him everlasting love and mercy. We have eternal life with God. How amazing is that? Romans chapter 5, verse 8. 
Romans 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The New Testament reveals that God's forgiveness is not because sin doesn't matter. It's because Jesus Christ paid the price for our sinfulness and bore the cost. This is the quality of God's mercy, that he sacrificed his only son Jesus on the cross. Jesus' death satisfied God's judgment, God's justice, God's wrath. This means for all those who follow Jesus, we will not be punished by God because Jesus has already paid that price. He's already been punished for us. Amazing grace, amazing love. This is the quality of God's mercy. Why we know we can be forgiven? Because an awesome God has forgiven us. This is why we can be liberated from shame and our sinful lives. We are liberated from eternal death to have eternal life because Jesus paid the price of sin on our behalf. Jesus' death on the cross satisfied God's punishment. And Jesus rising from the grave gives us eternal life. The quality of God's mercy is demonstrated by the cross. Repent and believe the good news for God's forgiveness grants us eternal life. Finally, David is confident enough to praise God with his inmost being. And he calls all creation, including us, to do likewise and praise God. For God is sovereign. He established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. There is nothing that God doesn't rule, from the smallest of creatures to the tallest of mountains. This is why David urges us to trust and obey, because God is sovereign. Even the mightiest heavenly beings praises God. Verse 19, the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his words. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. And we should rejoice and praise God, for he has released us from the bondage of sin, sin which leads to death, and we should answer David's call to praise him. We praise God by no longer submitting ourselves to rebellious life, but to obey Jesus. We praise God by offering our bodies as living sacrifices and pleasing to God. We praise God because he's sovereign and rules over all. And surely we can do that, despite our past, despite what we've done in the past. John Newton felt such forgiveness to go on and live a life that was pleasing to God and to strive for that holiness. Whatever guilt you have, you can give it to the Lord and be freed from its bondage. To be liberated, to strive for holiness and live lives pleasing to God. You feel oppressed by the world, the flesh or Satan. Turn to the merciful God for deliverance. Only God can deliver us. Praise God for his mighty, compassionate and loving deeds. 
for we can have confidence in the quality of God's mercy. So demonstrated by God sacrificing his own son, Jesus, on the cross, we have been liberated from our sin. Instead, God has given us eternal life. Embrace God's forgiveness. Repent. Turn back to him. For those who fear the Lord with our inmost being, praise our mighty God. Let me finish the same way David finished, just with these words. Praise the Lord, O my soul, for he's mighty and awesome and amazing and forgiving, and we can embrace that. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for what Jesus has done for us on the cross that can free us from the bondage of sin and death. And Father, pray that we can all embrace you and that way we can all meet together again in heaven and have eternal life with you. We pray these things in your son's precious name. Amen.